Hello and welcome to the programme. You can visit the website anytime you like, rte.ie forward slash Mooney. So, another busy programme for the Mooney Goes Wild team ahead of us tonight. Let's say hello to Richard Collins, who's in Malahide. All good out there, Richard? Yes, everything is fine out here, Derek. I've seen some shearwaters, Manx shearwaters, heading down the coast. Not surprising, Richard, given it is the time of year when birds start to migrate. Correct, Nile? Yes, Derek, yeah, it's an exciting time of year for bird migration, absolutely. This is when things really kick into gear. We're starting to see our swallows beginning to gather and start to leave us. Our, our swifts are already long gone. They're, it, it's rare enough even to see those even more than a few days into August. So uh, by this time of year, they're well gone. And before long, we're going to start seeing our first geese coming in and then the other wintering birds that come in. So it's a real time of change for, for birds and it's a time of year I really enjoy, I must say. Which geese, Nile? Well, there's many species of geese that uh, that come to Ireland. Uh, one that I particularly have a soft spot for would be the Greenland white-fronted goose for the specific reason that that's the bird that's the logo of Birdwatch Ireland. So that's one that I particularly like. But that's a bird for which Ireland is of huge international importance because the vast majority of the wintering population of that bird winter in Ireland. So we're, 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 we're vitally important for them. Uh, around Dublin City and along the East Coast and up Strangford and Carlingford and places like that too, the goose that we most look forward to seeing there would be the Brent goose, which mm. comes from Arctic Canada. Uh, but on the West Coast, coast, uh, the goose that you're more likely to see there coming in, a uh, similar looking bird, the barnacle goose, with more white on its face, that comes in from Greenland, and it's particularly prevalent around Sligo. Uh, you see a lot of them around there in the goose fields around Lissadell in the winter, which is a nice one. Uh, from Iceland we get our greylag geese coming in. They're, um, they're quite sporadic in different parts of Ireland. You get some some big flocks, but they're not particularly common, and there are not too many of them. Uh, the, the numbers have been going down. But that's the ancestor of the domestic goose. So if anyone's had goose for their Christmas dinner, um, it's it's a domesticated greylag goose that you're probably eating. But the wild birds, they come into us from, from Iceland. So they're the main species that come into us here in Ireland. But also what can happen is rare or vagrant geese can tag along with some of those flocks and fly in too. So Ireland's a good place to see rare birds like wild Canada geese and cackling geese and snow geese. So in the winter, uh, Ireland is really a, a goose watcher's paradise. <laughs> and what about the swans? When will they start appearing? Around the same time scale. So, of course, we have our mute swans, which are here with us year round. That's a resident population we have here in Ireland. They don't migrate and they're remarkably sedentary birds. I know that uh, the studies that Richard has done for many years have proven that, that our, our mute swans don't move around very much. But our whooper swans, the, the, the real wild swans, as they're often called, they come into us from Iceland. And we could start to expect to see the first one within the next few weeks, I would say. They arrive in, particularly at the Turlocks in the west of Ireland and then spread out from there. They're much warier than the, than the mute swans would be and they tend to be in large herds as we call the groups, uh, often grazing out in, in fields, sometimes quite a distance from water. So uh, in the distance, they often look like herds of sheep grazing in the fields. Mm. So if you see the sheep suddenly get up and start flying, then they're, they're your whooper swans. And then the third species of swan we have is the Buick swan. The Buick, but whether yes. we're getting it all this winter, we don't know. The population has been dwindling, probably down to just single figures wintering in Ireland now, having gone from being our most common wintering swan. Uh, they come to us from the opposite side of the world. They come to us from Siberia. And what seems to be happening is as uh, temperatures are increasing across much of Europe in the wintertime, those Buick swans don't have to migrate as far as they once did. They no longer have to come all the way to Ireland to find mm. uh, clement winter conditions where they can feed. They can stop off in places like Denmark, the Netherlands, Germany and England uh, and find unfrozen water during the winter. So that's why they're declining so much in Ireland. I just wonder, is it a little bit early to be talking about all of this? It's only the first week in September. What do you think, Richard? Well, uh, things move very quickly in the natural world. They don't hang around uh, and the day length is crucial. Once the day length 
changes, the, the amount of light changes, they change physically and they will migrate. I, I think the younger birds tend to go first. Uh, those that haven't bred, for instance, go mm. first. The mature adults that are worn out from breeding and things are a bit later. And in terms of mute swans, do we get any visiting mute swans or is the population that we have here the population that we have here and it's always with us? Well, we used to think that uh, when I started my study of swans, it was thought that the Irish population was isolated from other populations, from the British population. Now, Irish solutions to Irish problems might apply. I expected that the mute swans here would be different from those in Britain and those in mainland Europe because of that isolation. However, it turned out that they're not all that isolated. I got about one in a hundred swans crossing the Irish Sea. So they weren't so totally isolated as I expected, but they were still rather isolated. The other element was a thing called the Polish swan. The Polish swan is a swan that's white as a signet and that has pink legs. And I coming across a few of them. Now, they are not from Poland. They are from mainland Europe. How they got fixed to Poland on the, in their name is a bit of a mystery. But I found a few of them. It meant that swans were coming from mainland Europe. That was known into Britain. And some of these were coming on as far as Ireland. Not very many, but some. And the Polish swans stuck out very conspicuously. Now, it's thrown light on another subject. The view was that the mute swans were an introduction to Ireland. But in fact, this seemed to show that they have always been coming here. Since the end of the last ice age, it would be perfectly easy for swans to come and exploit Ireland. Ireland is a great place to be a swan. It's very mild. The climate is very mild. Not so cold in winter, not so hot in summer. And it's at the extreme of the range. It is bound to produce unusual features in swans here vis-a-vis those further east. Well, anyway, keep an eye out is what you're saying, Niall, for our visiting geese, our visiting swans. Yeah, always good to be prepared. So now's the time of year to, to get to know what migrants will be arriving shortly. So in the weeks to come, you'll be prepared to find out what, what's flying over your house or what's at your local wetland. And we get so many migrant birds in Ireland in the winter. I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily really realise. We think of migration being birds going south to warmer climes for, for the winter without realising, of course, that for many birds, we are the, the warmer south. A lot of the birds breeding in the Arctic spend the winter in Ireland. So we're a very important country for these wetland birds in particular. So do watch out for them. Well, it's not winter yet. We're only at the beginning of autumn, really. Yes, but the breeding season has finished for those birds, so they may as well leave. They head off. They want to get ahead of any bad weather. Mm. And of course, many won't be arriving for, for several weeks, even a couple of months yet. But during September, we will see the start of this. We will see our swallows and many of other migrants completely departing from Ireland. And we will see the first influx of these water birds coming in. All right. Aina Nilana joins us now. Hello, Aina. How are you today? I'm great. And of course, autumn isn't just confined to birds, Derek. There are actually other wildlife Indeed. besides birds, in case you're interested. Well, the and conscious the yours, ain't it? The, the conscious yours. The hedgerows are telling us that it's autumn ever since the beginning of August. It's been a great year for blackberries. The weather in the summer seems to have suited them. There's a great crop of blackberries in the hedges. And we have haws on the hawthorn trees and they're turning red. We have holly berries. We have sloes beginning to ripen up. And all of these things 
are in our hedgerows and are food for, for these birds and other creatures that are going to need them in the winter time. We have lots of hazelnuts. Hazelnuts come out very early. They'll, they'll be probably gobbled up by the squirrels by the time the middle of September comes. The squirrels seem to be on the button and grab them the minute they appear. They're available in the hedgerows as well. And this is all happening before our very eyes. The horse chestnuts are beginning to fill up. You know, the way you get the conkers when you go back to school and the sign of them coming in the end of August fills people with dread. Oh, we have to go back to school. So now in September, they're all they're all there. They're all they're mm. all. Um, but so autumn isn't just confined to birds. You know, there are no. But you, you mentioned hedgerows, Aina, and colours, this is yeah. the time of year when people are actually chopping at their hedgerows and cutting up all the vegetation they couldn't cut because of the legislation, which meant you weren't to disturb any vegetation between March and the end of August. So you wouldn't interfere right, with any yeah. nesting birds. But people are at it now. I've seen it myself. Well, I mean, people feel they have to manage their hedgerows and they are allowed to cut them in September. They won't decimate every single hedgerow in the country. I mean, one has to have some reason about these things. Hedgerows are part of a management plan for a farm. They're, they're liner roads and, I mean, briars and things will grow out over the path. We're all encouraged to go walking. You don't want to get the legs cut off yourself with nope. briars across the path. So, you know, management has to happen. But managing something doesn't mean destroying it. Couldn't agree with you more, Aina. Now, I believe that you were in the Natural History Museum recently with your grandson Archie inspired no doubt by Terry Flanagan's report on this very programme some weeks ago he and yourself and a couple of others are the few lucky ones because you need a ticket to get in there now you can't just as I said before rock up and say I'm here can I come in tell us all about it Yes, indeed. It's stuff for people who are not into it now because you have to book in advance. You have to go online. You have to book your slot. And when I was doing my, my babysitting for my grandson before he went back to school, we had an expedition into town. We went on a double-decker bus, Derek, and we sat up in the front seat and Archie got to drive the bus because there's sort of handles up there he was driving the bus. And then we got as far as the Natural History Museum where a very nice attendant was waiting for us and we produced our piece of paper that said we had booked our tickets and we were duly escorted in and the whole ground floor is open for the Irish um, exhibits. Now there's a there's a book called The Dead Zoo written by the same fellow who's written the, the books like The President's Glasses and The President's Cat and Archie had it with him. So every time he saw something that was in his book he was able to tick it off. So naturally when we went in the door here but the first time he was there and he saw the giant Irish deer. She nearly died of excitement and he knew the ones with no horns were the mammies and the ones that had the horns were the daddies and they duly got ticked off in the book. And then you have the great golden eagle with his wings up, a really big example of that. And, and then of course we were looking up above our heads to see the fish that are up there and what was there in fact was a swordfish and he was able to tell me it was a swordfish and we had to look at the sword up in the air against this and there's a basking shark hanging up. So the whole ground floor has been put back more or less the way it was before but like everybody, the cases are right down to the ground you can look in and see things at your own level my husband didn't have to spend his time lifting your man up to hoosh him up to see things like in other places you might have to do this it's a wonderful place for little people now upstairs isn't open and won't be open because they they have to do a huge amount of repairs in that but the ground floor is great and there were people coming by the new time in so make something scarce and they'll beat a path to the door mm. I don't think they ever had so many visitors there it was a great morning we enjoyed it enormously. Yeah, well, it's something to do with the weekend if you're looking for something to do with the weekend. I can see you're embracing your granny hood. Mind you, you did tell us last week that he's five. <laughs> so you've had experience. 
well, I had three children of my own and like riding a bicycle. <laughs> oh, once you have three kids, you never forget. So I have five grandchildren now. Oh, four grandsons what? and a granddaughter. Five? I have five grandchildren. There's nothing else to do only during COVID, only make children as far as I can see. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Wayne.